So um, today I want to just kind of give you a peek under the tent. If you have notes, if you brought a journal, um, I encourage you to do that because there's going to be a lot of notes that we're going to take today. Today's going to be a little bit different. We were, uh, there's been a lot of bantering, a lot of fun, a lot of wisdom. Um, today we're going to go, you're going to, we're going to number a lot of things. So, uh, you know, one through 10 about this, one through eight about this, one through five about this. So if you've got your phones or, or whatever, Aisha's got a phone. Aisha's our, is, uh, is our, one of our pastor's wives. She's got a phone that's the smallest phone you've ever seen. And she actually takes notes on it. She's a very small person and big in the spirit small in stature. But um, so yeah, if you've got if you want to put it on your phone, that's fine as well. So um, th- do you know that the number one problem in marriages is communication? And we do a lot of marriage counseling. And, um, and we see they're like saying something to each other, but the other person is not getting it at all. So there, one person's talking, the other person's not hearing. And it's not that, they, that they're not hearing, it's just they're hearing wrongly. Or the other person is saying things that are not landing rightly. So when we communicate, the, the essence of what we're trying to do is we're trying to, or if you do it this way, if you're trying to be right, you're already wrong. All communication is to gain understanding about the person that you're trying to communicate with. You want to communicate so that you can be understood and known. And and you want to communicate so that they can be understood and known. And if we approach marriage in that way, about growing and understanding, about discovering and and the mystery of, of your spouse and who this person is that God gave to you, because they are a mystery, and they are worthy of being discovered. Amen. Like <laughs> Come on. The first thing we have to learn about our, our wife or our husband is how they receive communication. And if you've been through any kind of trauma or hardship, sometimes your, your receptors are broken. Or there's something wrong with the way you're hearing. Because there's something wrong. You know, it says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. But beloved, let me tell you something. Out of the heart, the mouth hears as well. I'm going to hear things based on what my heart has gone through. Because I've got, I've already got a preconceived idea about what you mean by what you say. And you're like, what? I didn't say that. Actually, when John and I were dating, do you remember the book that you gave me? You know, after you broke up with me the first time? Yeah. Who's heard of this one? Venus and Mars, who knows that book? Anybody read it? Quite yeah, a few so of you. He, yeah. It's totally secular, but they do, uh, they do have some principles that really work. I mean, like, what planet are you from? I may have said that a few times when we first met. Right. So, so when he was coming back um, to apologize, he bought me that book. Again. Again. And, uh, and it had a sweet note on the inside. He wrote, you know, on the inside of the book. I think I may have thrown that book away. <laughs> Sorry about that. But that book, it really has so much in it because it is, it is 100% true. 100% true. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But women are very verbal. Can I get an amen, girls? Amen. All right. 
<laughs> Men like this girl. are not. No. How was your day, honey? Good. What do you, what I meant to say was, can you tell me about your day? Good. All right. So we do a lot of uh, pulling out. And again, now, let me refer back to the first uh, love and marriage that we did. Men and women are different, right? The woman is the, is the feminine um, expression of God. The man is the masculine expression of God. And God separated um, them out of Adam. So you've got Adam now and Eve. And then he, he said, now you two are going to be covenant. So I'm going to reunion you so that the full expression of God can be seen. Okay, so when it comes to communication, you're different. And you have to realize that you're different. Like I've said, I, I've been married to John for 23 years, and I can't believe that he's not a woman yet. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about, guys? Men's group. We'll talk. So when men complain about women, it is she's overreacting. When women complain about men, it's he doesn't listen. What'd you say? <laughs> and and granted, I'll tell you something about women. We can we can overtalk. We can overtalk something. That's what you call nagging. Somebody's starting the wave over here. It's like <laughs> If men start getting up during this and going, yes, and then you'll have to sit back down next to your wife. Right. Oh, I forgot that part. Yeah. Okay. So this is you. You're number four. Okay. Uh, I'm up to number four. We're not, we didn't really like go through one, two, three, four there, but so women and men are different. Everybody agree with this? We are different. We communicate differently. In fact, um, you know, with it's been my experience with Tracy, with, with women in general, that they tend to really uh, put more color in the conversation. Like they really talking about the details, you know, getting in there, painting the picture and all that stuff. But a guy's just pretty much wants to solve it. Just give me the bottom line. It's like, okay, I know where you're going with this. Just what, what's the question? How many have done that, guys? All right, you're true guys, all of you. Just give me the bottom line and let me get there quickly. But I will tell you, uh, we're men of few words because we're really men of one track mind at a, at a time. I mean, when we're on something, we're on it. And so, I mean, we're just different. It doesn't make us wrong, ladies. It doesn't make us wrong. We're just different. We're from Mars. You're from Venus. And um, as we've matured, though, I will tell you that Tracy and I have kind of moved together in this communication. Well, what's happened, uh, you know, at first I was like one, an one word answer. I still am on text or email. If you guys get something from me, if I can say it one word, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm not a big typer on that thing. But in, in uh, verbally, I've gotten to where I spend more time talking with her about uh, different things, like I'll use more words, more colorful words, build it up a little, and then give the punchline. But it's a little different, and she has gotten more bottom line for me. Oh, my gosh, it's been a wonderful journey. 
But we've been together, what, Trace, 26 years uh, and been married for 23, it'll be 24 years in October. So we've kind of understand one another. We've gotten closer in our communication, but make no mistake, we're still working on it. See, she hasn't learned everything that she needs to learn yet. And I'll hear about that later. So number five would be women receive healing. Like if, if it comes down to healing, like you need to talk something out, women typically will, will receive their healing through verbalizing it. Get it out, talk about it. Well, she said this, she meant that, he did that. Anyway, and, um, and we don't. We just want to get to the solve line. It's like, okay, all right, honey, I get it. She said this and all that. Here's what you need to do. And just get there quickly. And she's like, no. So we as men need to really take that extra step. I know it's going to be trouble. It's going to take a minute. But ask her, say, do you, do you want me to help you solve this? Or do you just want to kind of tell me what happened? And, let you know, in other words, it's okay. It, they, it's really okay with them to ask them if they just want to be heard or if they want you to solve it with them. It's really crazy. It works. You just ask that question. It's just like, no, I just need to, a moment, you know, to process. You agree? Yeah, that's really good. Is your phone in your back pocket? Because I just heard it ping. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's over communication. There, under there. Communication. All right. So, um, right. So, men deal in facts. We're facts, information, um, solving. Uh, we're problem solvers. Mm -hmm. What we do, and um, which I appreciate. I, think, I, I appreciate. I think women are more dramatic. I, I think they are more emotional. No, we are. We are. No, it's very true. We. So we and God made us that way. Women are tender, they're emotional, and this is a blessing to men because, you know, it's not good for me. If, if there was not woman, you know, man would just go around in facts and figures and information eating TV dinners every night, the same TV dinner every night, living in a house without good furniture that matched, Right. But then you bring this beautiful, emotional, creative woman and, and you know, but here's the thing, ladies, Let, let's talk about this for a minute because I'm jumping in here on your part. Come on. Okay. You have an open door. Okay, good. So we can, here's the thing. You got to do your husband a favor because sometimes if you over talk things and you just get so swirly in your communication, his eyeballs start to bleed. He's like, what are you saying? And you're like, I can't believe you don't understand me. You know, I mean, it's just like, so, so try to communicate so that they can learn. And one of the things that I had to do over the years is, is be like, okay, how is he hearing me? Because he's not, I'm talking, but he's not really hearing what I'm saying. So I must be doing it wrong. You know, it's like talking to the Lord sometimes. Not, not like, you know, it's like talking to the Lord sometimes and, and not getting the answers. You know, it's like prayer. You know, it's like I'm not getting any answered prayer. Well, it's not God that's doing it wrong. It's me. So sometimes we have to hold a mirror up going, you know, maybe I could do this better. 
Let's do an exercise. All right. All right. So what if a woman says to you guys, you never take me out anymore. That excites me. I'm just ready to rush down and throw that card down and make some reservations, aren't you? It makes me feel tall and big. And, you know, I could slay a giant. Okay, sarcasm is, is anger's ugly oh, cousin there, babe. I forgot that part. Go ahead. Tell me what I should have said, hon. All right. What you should have said. John, I realize that you've been working really hard lately. And I miss our times together. I love it when you take me out to dinner and we get to spend time together. We have time without the kids and we go to a hotel. Remember that time you took me to the hotel for the weekend and you arranged for a babysitter? Crescent Court. Yes, Crescent Court. You actually took me. Yeah, that I time. did. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to make it up to you, hon. I know a little Indian place over at Fair Park. No. I'm going to take. Okay, uh, for everybody that loves Indian food, God bless you. But it makes me. It makes it. It's just my stomach gets. But all joking aside, you know the way you serve something up can really make a big difference. And it's it's not just with women. With guys, it's just like the answer is the answer. But with women, it's how you say it, your body language toward them. Everything goes better with this. Big smile, delivered properly, and she won't eat Indian food, but she, you know, she'll get close. So, so again, you're going to get to the same goal, but it's how you get to that goal. I'm, I'm missing that, that dating experience, that wooing, and instead of saying to him, you never do this anymore, Another way to say it is I love spending time with you and I miss our time together. And I just so appreciate how hard you've been working and I know that you're really tired. Do you think we could do that sometime soon? Because I miss you. And so it's a different approach, you know, than saying you're not doing it right. I, I do want to share a story. One time... Um I mean, we're just, we burn at both ends. Y'all know that. And so we're, we're busy. And so we're run, 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 run. Well, one time I, I got home from work, long trip on the weekend. I think I flew in on a Friday night. And I, when I got home, there was a packed suitcase and a hotel key. Serious. And it was, the hotel key was to, um, uh, what's the name of that place? The Crescent. The Crescent uh, Court uh, downtown. Hotel. Hotel. It's very nice. It's very swanky. What do you call it? Bougie. And uh, you see, I got that. Thank you, Gary. And um, <laughs> what happened was um, when I get to the hotel room, so I mean, I literally just picked up the bag and walked out of the house. So it was all taken care of. When I get to the hotel, um, on, my, on the uh, bed is my suits laid out, a new tie, and she has a note, and she says, I'm at the hotel bar. Take a shower, take your time, and I'll see you. Seriously, this is, this is good stuff, guys. Listen. <laughs> and um, so anyway, I get down there, and here she is decked out in this beautiful dress, you know, sitting in the corner seat, and I just walk in there, and I'm just like, 
Thank you, Lord. I am a blessed man. So again, there are ways, look, you know, dating is not just all on the man. We have to date our husbands as well. We pursue them. And this is the beauty of, again, we've talked about this, about marriage, not letting it be stale, not letting it get dull. There are things that you can do, places that you can go, plans that you can make. And it doesn't have to be the Crescent Hotel. There are seasons where we are flat broke. And John, for our birthday, do you remember that time for the birthday uh, that you did for me? Um, okay, so, <laughs> no. Well, I do. He, John is not an artist, but he took all of these pictures. He looked them up online. He took all these pictures and he cut them out and he made this, this whole thing on a piece of paper. And he, this is not decoupage guys. No, it was, but there was glue involved. So he put some effort. And so he glued all these pieces of paper, uh, all these pictures. And, and so he had, he had rented, uh, massages for us for the day. He had a picture of a bike. We went on a bike ride. He had a picture of a picnic. He took me on a picnic with, with strawberries. I don't know why strawberries are so sexy, but they just are. You know, I mean, I don't know. God, you're so good. Thank you for strawberries. But, but all the guys so, grab your, Pencil, let, write your journal. <laughs> so anyway, again, it doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be something that you've, that you're excited about, you know, going on an adventure with the person that you love. Oh, is it my turn? No, it's your turn. Okay. All right. So one of the big challenges for men is to correctly interpret and support a woman when she is talking about her feelings. The biggest challenge for a woman is to correctly interpret and support a man who isn't talking at all. <clears throat> How many of you have said to your husbands or to any man, what are you thinking? And they go, nothing. That is a completely foreign concept for every woman that has ever lived in all of time. We think like 25 things at the same time. They're all like swirling around in our brains. It's like spaghetti brain. <clears throat> John and every man can think nothing. Like they have this place in their brain that's this cave, and they go into this cave, and nothing is happening in there. And don't, listen, ladies, don't ever go into that cave. My cave's my car. I drive around and, you know, I just drive around. That's, That's where why, I process stuff. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he works and so he works. Anyway, so that's why a lot of times men will come home and they need to decompress because they have a finite number of words that they use every day and those words are all gone by about 8 p.m. And the wife is going, hey, I really need to talk to you about something. Well, if they've expired on their word content for the day, that ain't happening. Mm. Or if it does happen, it's going to be really ugly. So, so ladies, let me tell you something. Evening, deep evening conversations shouldn't happen. You need to schedule time and you need to, <laughs> you need to, <laughs> amen, brother. I learned this because John would start 
falling asleep while I'm trying to have a, a deep, intimate conversation about something really important. Well, hi there. Oh, you're wonderful. His little eyes would start, his eyes would start getting, and I'm like, are you falling asleep? No. So I knew I couldn't change his, his word content, but I could change the time that we decided to do it. And so I would ask him the question, when would be a good time to talk to you about this? And he'd say, you know what? Thank you. Let, why don't we schedule this for whenever? All right. It's funny, but it's also, it's funny because it's true. So men like spending time alone at night. It's kind of a weird thing. Like some men will go out in the garage and they'll piddle or they'll pretend to build stuff, carve stuff, make stuff, you know, or if they're artists, they'll go paint stuff. There are other men that'll get out and mow the yard and you're just like, didn't you do that last night? But they have this thing about the man cave and they just really need time to just kind of let everything process it's funny, down. Um some friends of ours um, out in East Texas, it's a guy, you know, a guy that I work with, and I've been to his house probably six or eight times. Do you know I've never been in the house one time? <laughs> Guys, listen, there's a thing called um, a man cave, and it's a metal building, and he has a TV out there and a bar. <laughs> I have never been in this man's house. The guys hang out outside all the time. I guess they go in maybe at 10 it's or something. It's so weird. It's but really we we, so weird. We're man cave things. All right, point made. Let's go on to the next thing. It's my turn. Yep. Uh, all right, so what are we doing here? So I'm going to give you the, the numbers if anybody's taking notes. Nine. Number nine. It's going to be nine. Number one. No, there's nine things in the list. I think, okay. I think I only have eight. See how well we communicate? See how well this is working? No, I just told you that. Yeah, go. <clears throat> I hope you don't mind. This is just so much fun for me. 23 years of marriage, guys. It just gets better. So, number one, be a ready listener. The biggest part of communication is this, not this. And I, I really wanted to say, sometimes husbands, we can talk over our wives. It could be either way, but we could talk over our wives, and we don't want to do it. We want to actually listen to the end of what they have to say. Is that fair? Because a lot of times, again, with our short fuse here to get to the end of the communication and fix them, we want to jump ahead so we have more time to give her one word answer. But really what we need to do is listen to the whole thing and then take it in. You don't immediately have to answer. That's what I learned, you know, in the last two minutes. But <laughs> you, you don't have to have the answer ready. You can actually think, run it through your brain first. It's crazy. And then when you answer, a lot of times it will be a better answer. Won't, won't get you in as much trouble. Well, but let, yeah. that, let that come out. Season for a second and then answer. 
you know, when we were dating, I remember, and this has been something with Johnny, such a good listener. And it was crazy for me as a woman dating somebody who actually heard what I said. And he, my birthday came along, another birthday story, but he got me things that I had told him that I loved. And I'm like, what? You actually heard what I said. You listened to me and you heard what I said. And it, it just made me feel so valued as, as, a, as a wife or a woman. I, we weren't husband and wife yet, but, you know, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, number two, slow to speak. Think first. That's the second one. And then speak in a way that it help her understand what you're actually communicating. One of the things that we need to do is make sure we have eye contact. Because if she's, um, if she's changing a baby and you're trying to tell her something, her focus is clearly not on you at that moment. But if you, if some important really get eye contact with one another, this is good on, for male or female. Get that eye contact where you know you're communicating. Uh, the eyes tell the story a lot of times, you know, so that she can say, oh, this is really important to you. Um, Zet's got quiet. You guys are like, oh, I should do that. Uh, well, and also, I want to break in here on the eyes. Um, one of the things that John will do is he'll, because, you, you know, like he said, we're burning the, the candle at both ends. And what he'll do is he'll stop and say, look at me. And then he'll say, there you are. And, they, and you don't even have to really say anything. You just take a minute to go, oh, hi. You know, uh, and you just connect with your eyes. And it just says, okay, okay, I see you. And so it's really precious. Number three is speak the truth. You can pretend everything's great, guys, and, and just kind of go along to get along and stuff. But the fact is that we really need conflict. Ugh. But we really should speak the truth, but always in love. And that way we're not miscommunicating by thinking it's okay or, or, or going past the point. But we need to learn how to have conflict. In fact, Tracy and I, um, you can only do so much up here in three Sundays, but we're going to do a little podcast about some of the things that we weren't able to get to, and one of them is how do you have, you know, fruitful conflict. Um, a lot of times, too, when you're speaking the truth, you're speaking your truth, but it's not necessarily the truth. It can sometimes, and I know with Tracy, I... I know I was a very wounded man when I met her. I had a horrible experience with marriage before. And so when I would communicate with her, a lot of times it really came out of a trauma place. I mean, I'm the guy saying I'm never getting married again, ever, like vowed. You know, I had to, you know, go back and repent from that. But it was, so anyway, when I would communicate with her, a lot of times it was through my own woundedness. Does that make sense? Um, we try to also in number three is not to exaggerate. Somebody might say, oh, yeah, she stabbed me in the back. It's like, dude, let me see that scar. It's like, no, I don't mean like physically stab me in the back. Well, what'd she do? Well, she gossiped about me, you know. So it's a different thing. Stabbing you in the back is going to really hurt. You might die. But uh, gossip is probably just going to need some, you know, a little bit of work. Just talk it out, right? So we don't want to inflame the situation. Do you see that in the media today? Listen, it's everywhere. I never saw that when I was growing up. I never saw that inflamed words. Everything's a headline. Everything. All day. Look at it. But we don't want to do or that in our marriages. don't look at it. Yeah. 
We don't want to do that in our marriages, that everything is a huge deal all the time. No, we can work through anything if we work on it together. Don't use silence to frustrate your opponent when you're in this argument. And I can be a little bit bad about that, uh, especially when we first got together. I just kind of clam up. You know, we get in a conflict. But you don't Four want days. To... Only three days, huh? Um, I had a limit on it. No, but uh, yeah, just to kind of clam up and just go inside and go. But then if, when you clam up, you're, you're running that through your brain a hundred times. What did she mean? Why did I say this? Why did I say that? I'm like, wait, I'm becoming a woman. Stop. But you really do that, don't you? I mean, you replay that thing over and over again. So we need to not do that. We need to uh, stay open. It hurts for a while, but then you get it out and uh, you work through it. Now, on that, here's the thing. You're in the middle of, of having a conversation and you're not agreeing, right? Sometimes you need to give each other permission to take a break so that you can understand really what's going on in your own heart. Because, you know, we're not, some of us are not real time. You're like, why does this, why is this hitting me this way? Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Why is he reacting the way he's reacting? And you're in real time and you're just like, this is, this train is off the tracks. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you've got to take a step back, but you've just got to say, hey, I think we need to have a time out here. I think we need to stop, take a minute, and let's just give each other permission to just process and pray. And so that's a healthy way to, to, to get back together. Okay, number five, uh, not to respond in anger. Uh, a lot of times, uh, I have short fuse a little bit, and um, if someone comes at me the wrong way, through my woundedness, I can flare up. Maybe you've seen that. Who's played golf with me in here? No. But it's really, uh, but, you know, I'm not proud of that when I do it. I don't like the way that makes me feel, so I need to not do that. So it's like, instead of responding in anger, I'm like, what is she saying? Let me get this out. Let me work through this. And, um, and always, if you'll lower your voice instead of raise it, you'll get more attention this really works. You get a lot more attention on it when you lower your voice and you go, where is this coming from? What, what's going on? Well, how did that, if, you know, and start to ask questions. Like when that thing hits you, instead of blah, throwing it out there, ask questions. And what happens is you're surprised. It's like, oh, I see. It, a lot of times it's not even what you think. You, you're just guarding your turf there. But instead of doing that, let's ask questions and let's find out where that's coming from. And a lot of times, uh, I don't do it every time, I wish I did, but a lot of times we'll solve an issue right there that didn't even have to be any big deal at all. Tracy's very good about fighting fair, about um, you know being honest in the communication, uh, really seeking to, um, to be understood and to, and to understand so that the relationship can grow. I think we're up to you, and you're going to take number six. Well, and I want to point this out, because a lot of people who are married don't think that most of the Bible applies to their personal behavior between the husband and wife. When Paul was writing the epistles, and he keeps saying over and over, um, 
when Peter is wrote his epistles and he's talking about our behavior towards one another, we think it applies to other people. But it actually does apply to husband and wife as well, if not primarily. Um, go ahead and put 1 Peter 3, 9 up, and let's take a look at that. It says this, um, Peter is talking, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So if you, if you look at what's, I mean, first in the first Corinthians, in Ephesians, the Bible is replete with over and over, keep your love on. Be careful about what you say, especially to the person who is your husband and wife. Guard your mouth because you can really hurt them. And words are, um, you know, in, they've done studies how words actually hurt more than physical abuse because they stay, uh, uh, you know, a bruise may heal, but a word will not. It remains. And people will believe nine times out of 10, the bad things that you say to them versus the good things that you say to them. So you got a lot of work to do to build each other up. So one of the areas that I really struggled in is the area of mercy. I'm kind of a, I was kind of a walk it off mom and a walk it off. I, I, you know, I'm like, you know, why are we still talking about this? Didn't I already tell you what to do? Go do it. And so in our conversations, there wasn't a whole lot of understanding. And so when you're communicating with somebody, this is what my daughter taught me. Yes, you can learn from your children. Um, my adult daughter came to me one day. We were, we were, um, at a restaurant and she said, Hey, so I want to talk to you about when I come to you and I share my heart with you. And, um, you kind of have a walk it off attitude with me. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, she said, but instead, I would really like for you to say, I understand how you feel. And I said, why would I ever say that? <laughs> now, I'm not kidding you. I, 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 it was completely foreign to me. I was like, okay, what, what are you talking about? And she said, no, I want you to do it right now. I want you to practice. <laughs> and I was like, well, it was so hard for me to get that out of my mouth. Because I was like, it makes no sense to me to say to you, I understand how you feel. But I did it. And as I did it, and she said, okay, now I want you to do it again. She made me do it three times. And she said, do you see how that might do something to my heart? Now, to me, this was an exercise in futility. But for her and for the person that's listening, and especially for women, to say to you, to say for a husband to say to a wife, even though it may not be true, I understand how you feel. Or, I'm so sorry that that hurt your heart. And that be the first thing. That be, instead of, and so, so having that approach has actually been tremendously helpful in ministering to people and pastoring people. And it's genuine. 
what started off as as like something that was hard for me to do um, actually has helped me to be a better communicator and be better at loving people. Okay, that was number six. Um, also, like John said, okay, here's a key to successful communication. He said this. I'm going to say it again. Ask questions. Now, I want you to know something. There is a different husbands and wives between questioning someone, questioning their motives, questioning them, and asking a question. And sometimes you have to differentiate in your conversation and you have to say, I'm not questioning you to get them out of the defensive position. I'm actually asking you a question. Asking a question says, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering something here. I'm interested. I'm curious. What's happening here? I don't understand. But questioning someone is, sa is saying, how do you have a right to do that? You're wrong. I'm right. Do you see the difference? So number seven, when you're wrong, admit it and ask for forgiveness. Now, when your spouse says, I'm wrong, will you forgive me? Guess what you have to do? You have to forgive them. Are you still burning with anger? Maybe. Are you still pouting? Are you still upset? Are your arms still crossed? Is your body language still saying, nope, even though your mind said, yes, I'll forgive you? But listen, not only do you have to say, yes, I'll forgive you, and not only do you have to be earnest in saying, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? Um, but you have to let it go, ladies. Okay? Women have a memory that will last 20 years. They will remember when their husbands did something 20 years ago, and it will come back up. You got to let it go because that's not fair. When Jesus forgives us, does he circle back around and say, oh, do you remember that time that you sinned? No. It's as far as the east is from the west. That's Can good. I get an amen? That's, good. that's an amen. That's an amen. All right. Number eight, avoid nagging. And avoid shoulds. Have you ever had a conversation with your husband and said, well, you should X, Y, and Z. Let me tell you how far that's going to get you. Or a husband, you should X, Y, and Z. Mm -mm, no. Nagging is just basically witchcraft in a really bad tone. Do it, do it. Why aren't you doing it? I said do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Drip, 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 drip. Look, speak the truth in love. And then what you want to do, ladies? You need to give it to the Lord. And you need to start praying. Because really what needs to happen is there may be something he can't hear yet. Something he can't receive yet. But you go to the Lord and not in white witchcraft. Look, not in Christian witchcraft where you're in the Lord and you're nagging to the Lord. That husband you gave me. If he would just do this, then this would happen. You know, and so the Lord may say to you, you know, um, you're the problem. I can't tell you how many times that I've gone to the Lord to fix my husband, and he's like, so I've got some bad news. <laughs> you have pride, 
And, and so there you have to go in earnest. What you're looking for is to, again, uh, deepen, widen, and heighten love, okay? It's good, babe. All right, number nine, do not blame or criticize your mate, but restore, encourage, and edify. I've got a whole list of, of scriptures here I could quote, but it's in the Bible. Um, if your spouse accuses you, cuts you down, verbally attacks you, here's the hard part, all right? You can't do the same thing. All right, first one to the cross wins. It is so hard to do, but you're like, can I make you your favorite meal? <laughs> you know that that you know Danny Silk's bestseller. Keep your love on. Why is it? Why is it a bestseller? Because it's something that we all need to do. The one that loves in response to hate is the one that actually is growing in love. How do you grow in love? Oh, God, help me to grow in love. Oh, God, help me to grow in patience. Oh, God, help me to grow in X, Y, and Z. You fill it in, he's going to give you an opportunity or the opportunity will present itself for the opposite of that. And when you respond in love, when you've been accused, your heart expands in love and you mature in love. So the next time it happens, you go, wow, that didn't even offend me. That's crazy. All right. I've got one more. You're right. There was 10. It's I, okay, babe. I know. I forgive you. <laughs> Try to understand your spouse's opinion. Make allowances for differences and consider their best interest. Okay. It's all yours. Okay. Let's talk about uh, confrontation for a sec. Uh, let's reframe it. Confrontation is not, it doesn't have to be really painful. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's actually good for moving the relationship forward. I mentioned that earlier. But what, what happens when you put people together, you're going to have friction. And that friction, rubbing up against one another, being uh, in that relationship together, uh, you're going to call out each other. You're going to brush up against each other. You're going to actually be like iron sharpening iron. But it makes you both sharper. That's right. Have you ever seen porcupines trying to make love? That's what a marriage is. Sometimes it's just like, dang, you're prickly. You're prickly too. You're hurting me. Ow. Could you move that spike? I don't like to waste money, but I give $10 to see that. All right, we're shifting gears. Let's talk about love language. Love language. How many have heard about love languages? This swept the church a few years ago. I'm like, this is really brilliant. I mean, it, as far as practical tools, some of you didn't raise your hands. This is one of the most practical tools you, you'll ever find in communication is to know what the other person's love language is. And it's not just with spouses. It's actually with children. It can be with bosses, it can be with business people, whatever it is, to know what they respond to is key. Because you can say the same thing, but say it the wrong way and they won't get it. But anyway, I wanted, I wanted to just go back, for some of you this is a review, but, uh, and then to kind of tell you where Tracy and I are. So number one is, if you're taking notes, words of affirmation. It's, we call it prophesying a lot of times. You know, edification, exhortation, and comfort. 
We're prophesying it. We're words of affirmation. Build the other person up. And uh, that's, that's real important to me to prophesy that over people that I, are in my life, uh, in my circle. I like to call out the good in them. But uh, words you of affirmation. You prophesied our marriage, over our marriage. You said, well, this was when you weren't going to get married to me. But if I was going to mar- get married, but it would be he you. said, if, if we got married, they would write books about our love. And I was like, okay. I was wounded. I get it. I'm okay now. Um, I literally wrote her a 20-page letter when I was in Alaska. I was on a fishing adventure up I'm there. I'm not I had kidding time you. On my on my hands and sent it home with a moose, a, a stuffed moose. Okay, stuffed moose. I did. I yes. still have that stuffed moose. Anyway, but uh, and the letter said, if I was ever going to get married again, it'd be to you, but I'm not. I know, right? It's amazing. I am serious. It's amazing. I, what I almost lost What not to do when, you, when you're dating or trying to woo a woman? No, seriously. I almost lost Tracy like five times. It was crazy that I'm even sitting here. We're a miracle. Praise the Lord. Okay, so words of affirmation. Number two is quality time. I have a, a, a grandson. If I, He's quality time 100%. I mean, his, that's his strong thing. If I spend time with that boy... I mean, then we're, we're right back there, you know, but I have to make sure I'm intentional with him. Um, words of affirmation are big for me. That's my number one is words of affirmation, and I love to give them, and I love to receive them. Number three is gifts. Um, Tracy, I've told you this before. If you guys that know us pretty well, I'll buy this lavish gift, and she goes, oh, that's, uh, that's real nice. It's not the kind I like, though. I like the ones that do. You know, it's like, the gifts mean nothing. She's, oh, that's real pretty, you know. <laughs> but words of affirmation are important to her. And, um, but, but with her, it's all about the next one, acts of service. When I learned this, gentlemen, I cleaned out her garage. I did something, and she was, like, blown away. Remember that time? He fills my car up with gas. I mean, ladies, come on. This is so huge. You don't understand, guys. It's, it's not a big deal to you. You don't really care. But for a woman, or, or he changes the oil in my car. No, he doesn't do it, but he takes it. Yeah. Or he'll show Same up, thing. it'll be washed. And I'm just like, I love you so much. So those are big deals. Uh, dishes, it's done. I'm telling you, I got a week out of that. You know, I mean, just doing that. It's easy. Um, Anyway, any kind of acts of service she's big on, and then also physical touch. We're both real touchy-feely. You know, our kids, when we were dating, you know, we had kids. They were already there before yeah. we entered on the scene. We there's trauma. There's trauma there. But I uh, always sat like, in his lap. They were like, you know, there's three other chairs. Just read, You could sit anywhere, yeah. Mom. Get a room. You know, it was something all the time with them. But anyway, uh, but we've learned that, and so if I want... Um, if I really want to love her, I'll do an act of service for her, and she and she responds to it. She that's what she likes. She knows she feels loved. She feels cared for. I buy her a gift. She likes flowers, but you know I, I do buy flowers quite a bit. Not because it's her number one. It's just you know we all want some of these. In other words, all of these are good gifts, but the the but almost everybody has one or two primary ones that will they'll really respond to. Do you know? What your spouse's love language is. Yeah. That's why we're saying this. I mean, yeah. think about it. What's your love language? Yeah, make it easy for yourself. All right, so we're going to move on. Um, we want to talk about sex. 
Oh boy, a couple guys run out. The- Here's the thing. We really debated whether to talk about this because everybody in the church is so weird about it. But the world's not. In fact, they're in your public schools teaching your kids at five years old the perverted version of it. So I think it would be a good idea. We talk about God, God's heart for it because he's the one that created it. He didn't go, oh, what happened there? (laughs) That belongs to Satan. No, it doesn't. It was in the garden. So scripture describes God's plan for intimacy. It's very explicit. In fact, sometimes it's even erotic. Yes, I said that word in church. And I want to tell you, Song of Solomon is one of the most beautiful books in the Bible. It's poetry about passion and love, sexual intimacy. And it really is God's heart. And he designed us to come together in this way. And it's part of the three-stranded cord of our physical, our spiritual, and our emotional connection as husband and wife. And really, um, it serves as spiritual warfare in so many ways. God is not ashamed of sex. In fact, God is not ashamed of pleasure. God created every single one of us for pleasure. Do you know that God gets pleasure from gazing at his son? And so he created each one of us for pleasure, for gazing at Jesus, for gazing at him. But there are other things in the, in, in the way that he created husband and wife, that we would gaze at each other, that we would be so deeply enmeshed and connected in love in a place that is filled with passion that reminds us of the depths of how we can be connected. That we could taste and enjoy intimacy's satisfaction. It says this in Song of Solomon, drink deep of your love. This is mysterious and profound. And there's no reason for us as believers to settle for a, for a superficial experience in this way. We should have the highest, the most passionate, the most love-filled experiences. And it strengthens us. Sex is, like I said, it's spiritual warfare. It's like hitting a, re- a relational reset button. A healthy sex life isn't the full substance of marriage, but its value to marriage cannot be overestimated. God intends for lovemaking to be celebratory, a wonderful reminder of the profound covenant that intertwines two lives. I want to read, actually, um, can you pull this up? Proverbs 5, verse 18 and 19. And we're going to read that in a minute. 
Clearly, God is no prude. He created all of our body parts. He's not embarrassed by their functions. He designed us, again, for pleasure, and he doesn't want to curtail our desires, but here's what he wants to do. He wants to sanctify them. That within the covenant of marriage, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. And keep going. As a, as a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Does this sound like a God that's embarrassed? Does this sound like a God that doesn't embrace this? He does. And this is an important part. And to remember this, the beauty of, of our love. All right, so I'm going to give you eight characteristics of a creative lover. You want to write this down. <laughs> Number one, be totally available. Do not deprive your mate sexually except for prayer and fasting. Let me talk to that, too. Um, when we talk about depriving your mate, I mean, the word is clear. He doesn't want... Uh, someone in the relationship to uh, withdraw in this way. But I want to talk to the men for a minute. You know, it's really up to us first to get their heart engaged before we go into the physical part. And I want to just say that we really have to stop and think about that because the whole world is telling you that Hollywood has it figured out on the sex but they don't. And the internet doesn't either. A lot of people, a lot of young people that I've ministered to will tell me that they learned about how it all works by looking at the internet, at looking at pornography. There's a very different feeling in looking at pornography and doing it the God's way, which is being intimate in love and going to that that pleasure to gather, well, you can't go you can't go faster than she does. And so I just want to say I think that the world's got it wrong. I mean, you can't even drive down uh, the highway without seeing a billboard of some sex symbol gal on it, and you know, it's everywhere. Even a you know, you just open your browser, and there you know, there's just stuff everywhere. I was looking at. A, you know, uh, the other day on uh, Facebook Marketplace, and then you got this stuff starts coming up. I would call it pornography. So again, I just want to say, uh, don't listen to the world. Read Song of Solomon. Listen to the heart. Listen to the love behind the Lord's language here. Yeah. It changes good. everything. Good, John. All right, number two, be carefree. A woman is tied to her emotions, so make sure her heart's engaged before her body's engaged. You, wanna, you want freedom in this area. And, and freedom is when she feels safe. So she wants to be playful and creative and, and carefree, but it really does require a man to help her feel safe. Number three, be attractive. 
Always do your best to be presentable and attractive to your spouse. Throw away that 10-year-old workout suit, ladies. <laughs> no, throw away that t ugly stained t-shirt from college. Take care of yourself even if you're not going out. And, and remember to, to be physically fit. It's important to, now, you know, it's, I'm not talking, you guys hear my heart on this. I'm not talking about supermodel stuff. I'm talking about being the very best that you can be. Everybody's different. And your husband loves how you're made, but be the very best of how you're made. Your, your wife loves how you're made, but be the very best of how God made you. Okay. Okay, number four, be eager. Practice thinking about your spouse. Think positive thoughts about, their, about your physical relationship with them and anticipate an intimate encounter. Number five, be creative. Do things differently. Be romantic. Creative dating, surprises, um, trips, cities. Guys, hey, you need the babysitter's name in your in and, and cell phone number in your telephone. It's not That's her job one. to always take care of all of the details. You take care of those things for her. And I'm telling you, she is just going to feel just like a queen. Yeah, that's a really good one. Make the reservations, do it, you know, take the initiative on that thing. And surprises work. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. Be interesting, number six. Don't let it, don't let lovemaking become boring and predictable. Number seven, be uninhibited. Adam and Eve were naked and they were unashamed. Accept your body, love your own body. Your spouse chose you. They love you. Don't get hung up on imperfections and communicate honestly and openly about what you like and what you don't like. In summary, let me say this. Sex and marriage is a beautiful gift. It builds intimacy. It increases closeness. It helps you to bond and it reduces tension and frustrations. And so it's a way of communicating that's, that's nonverbal. And it's important. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Yes. Really, we thank you for marriage, Lord. We said from the, be the beginning, we're so grateful. Yeah. Lord, that you made woman. And that you gave her to us, Lord. I pray for the, all of the men in the house, Lord, that we could grow in love. Thank you, Lord. Be better husbands. Be better at all of this stuff. And Lord, I just pray for the wives that wherever you've been wounded or words have been spoken over you or, or we've taken shortcuts on um, being, a, being the man that we need to be. Lord, I just pray that you uh, would give her a heart to forgive us. Yes, Lord. And help us, Lord, to grow in love and keep our love on every day, one day at a time. Yeah. Lord, we love you and we know you, your name is love. So you, you're invested in all kinds of love, even this kind we're talking about. So help us, Lord. Help us to be better lovers. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.